0: Hello, fellow OCD warriors. I'm Christina Orlova, your host on the OCD Whisperer podcast, your trusted companion in the battle against OCD. If you're like me and understand the struggles of living with OCD, then you're in the right place. But before we dive into today's episode, I want to tell you about something incredible. Get your OCD survival kit today at www.onlineocdacademy.com. It's filled with amazing resources, to aid you in all things OCD, whether you're on a tight budget or just looking to supercharge your progress. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome to OCD Whisperer Show. Today with me, I have a special guest, Dr. Jonathan Abramovitz. He is a clinical psychologist, professor, and director of the PhD training program in clinical psychology at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. He conducts research on OCD and has published numerous books and research articles. He also maintains a small practice specializing in psychological treatment of OCD.
1: Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Christine. It's great to be here. I'm honored.
0: Oh my gosh, I'm actually honored. I definitely wanted to reach out to you and have you on, on the show because in this annual um, IOCDF um, conference in San Francisco, you know, one of the talks I went to was all about exposure response prevention acceptance commitment therapy and inference-based CBT. And talking about, you know, are they evidence-based practices? Are they not? Kind of, what do we do? I think, you know, I really wanted to have a follow-up on my show about this because I know plenty of people who sometimes can get a little confused and maybe have questions. Am I doing the right treatment? Am I not? What do we do? So I know kind of this is a broad starting off point, but if you wouldn't mind just sharing a little bit with us, kind of, are all three of those evidence-based treatments, kind of, what are they?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I guess if we're going to define, how would you define evidence-based treatment? Because, you know, that's a a term that gets thrown around a lot. How would you specifically define that?
0: Well, I guess that's the question we have for you, being being a specialist and a renowned kind of specialist okay. in OCD, right? So, I mean, I think most people, when they hear that, they would think about a treatment that there's been some research, there's been some Experiments that have been done that have shown that if you do this treatment in this way, it shows that there's efficacy in it.
1: You can get better. Yes. So, so then according to, to those, there are some studies more for some treatment approaches than, than others, but there are some studies showing that um, all of those can be effective, ERP, ACT, and uh, inference-based CBT. The evidence bases are very different for those, so we can certainly talk about that but there is evidence that each of those, yes, can be helpful. Yes.
0: Right. So kind of what would you say from your perspective? Because I, I think for anybody listening these days, you know, we, we're hearing more and more about inference-based CBT. And I think yeah. um, also kind of in a clinical community, there's a little bit of sometimes tension between kind of, you know, using ERP versus ICBT, or does there even have to be a versus kind of approach? What's What's yeah. your viewpoint?
1: My viewpoint is that there shouldn't be a versus. I mean, we're all trying to make life better for folks who have OCD, give them treatments that they need to reduce their obsessions and, and their compulsions. And you know, by any means possible that we can do that, I think that's, that's important. It's a shame that we have turf wars about my treatments better than yours and stuff like that. I really am someone who thinks that all three of those treatments all share elements of, of each other. I think that some of the core elements, and this is what I talked about at the at the meeting. Uh, some of those core elements. First of all, you got to have a therapist who believes in what they're doing, who understands what they're doing, has some you know uh, conceptual understanding of 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 the treatment and how it's supposed to work, and really believes in it. You have to have a person with OCD, the client, who also believes that it can be helpful for them. But of course, that's that's not enough. You need to have certain type certain types of change have to occur if someone is going to overcome a problem like OCD one of those things that has to occur is we have to have extinction of the obsessional fear which means that OCD symptoms obsessional thoughts situations they provoke obsessional fear the person has learned to become afraid of certain thoughts and certain situations and so we need to weaken that that fear we need to teach them that those situations those thoughts are are safe they're not dangerous and the person can engage with those thoughts, with those situations, and that they don't have to do their rituals. And one way that we can do that is we can try to change their beliefs about those situations, so help them to see those situations as as safe. And you can do that to some extent, I think, with talk therapy. But at the end of the day, a person is not going to have long-lasting and i shouldn't generalize because you can always find a, an exception someone's going to come forward and say well i did it with without this but but generally speaking in order to have long lasting improvement from a uh, an irrational fear like we see in ocd the person has to face that fear they have to engage with it and they have to learn i can manage this i can manage the feelings that i have when it when it comes up and that's of course exposure and response prevention, and all of those treatments have some elements of cognitive change, where we're changing beliefs, and some elements of engagement with with your fear. It might be packaged differently, but it doesn't matter what we call it. When a person is in a situation where they confront uh, something that they've been afraid of, and they resist doing rituals, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what you call it. You're going to get that, you know, foster that change, and that's good. That's what we want. Long-winded yes. answer. Sorry about that.
0: No, no, that's great. I mean that that's kind of the the point of this, right? It, it's. I mean, I think overall, I just want to keep reiterating that my goal on on the show is just to to really continue to have all sorts of conversations around OCD. Yeah. I think it's important because generally people with OCD are considering all these different conversations. They're having them, right? They're they're wondering this stuff. So I, I think right. why not, right? Bring it up and discuss it. So with that, then I guess my my question for you is. Because with kind of European act from what people talk about is that those are more behaviorally based approaches to address OCD and inference-based CBT is more of a cognitive approach. And I know that you mentioned that you think there's some overlap between these. I mean, I definitely will kind of put a plug in. I think all of them, of course, is response prevention, essentially, right? It's to yeah. really make sure that you just you know, basically stop engaging your compulsive actions, right? So that... You can kind of break that cycle and whether it's through the process of knowing, which is more ICBT lens or the process of being willing to, you know, have these feelings and and kind of go through that experience and actively learn, right? That like, hey, look, you can handle this. You have it. Like, it's okay. You got through it. But what is your kind of current, I guess, perspective or understanding on inference-based CBT and how it's different or how is it, what might be similar?
1: Yeah, let's talk about how it's how it's different. And as I kind of it's a newer it's kind of the new kid on the block, right? I actually it's been around for for a long time. It's just that now it's become more more popularized. So inference-based CBT was developed by a fellow who's passed away. His name was Kieran O'Connor and he's written lots of stuff. I've edited many, many books on OCD and, and Kieran was always a contributor to those books. We always included chapters from him. If you go back, some of uh, some of the you know books in the early 2000s that I edited include chapters. And, and so this treatment on, on ICBT, this treatment has been around for a while it's just now kind of catching on. There's a group of folks that, you know, uh, all about ICBT in the United States. And I don't think that that's, I think that's kind of a new thing that hasn't been the case. Uh, It might've been more popular in Canada. Kieran O'Connor is from uh, Canada. I think there are some folks in Europe who are practicing it. And there's some really interesting, you know, ideas about uh, inferential confusion, the stories that we tell ourselves that um, are thought to lead to uh, obsessional fears, the stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves. There's a concept called fear of self, which is you know very interesting. And, and there's some research showing that, that that's a really uh, important construct in understanding OCD. Our lab is currently doing some research on this as well. And the idea in, in ICBT is to go in and to help people to challenge and change these these uh, inferences and these views of oneself and and help them, you know, to see that they don't have to think this way so that when they have these intrusive doubts and, and, and unwanted thoughts that um, they're able to move forward and treat them you know not as danger signs. And I, you know, I think there's a lot to that. I think it's very, very interesting. And I think that uh, ICBT, focuses on that cognitive piece more so than act and more so than traditional exposure therapy so there is explicit cognitive change let's challenge this and there's some great ways of helping people to identify and then challenge the inferences about you know they have about themselves about how the world works and things like that and i think these can be very valuable and then as one moves you know forward in icbt then they Uh, they're encouraged to do things where they kind of, I wouldn't say testing out because I think that's more traditional, like appraisal-based cognitive therapy. They're encouraged, challenged to to move forward. And I would say face their their fears and and act on their new ways of thinking rather than on the old ways of of thinking, which, you know, again, if if you look at it carefully, and I'm no expert on ICBT, but folks that I have spoken to who do know a lot about it will say, you know, yeah, this is a repackaged way of saying we're having people uh, confront their, their fears. They're not doing it in a way that we would do in, a, in traditional exposure therapy, but they're certainly engaging with feared stimuli, which is good. We shouldn't be, you know, kind of telling people that they're not doing that because that's part of the therapy and that's an important part of the therapy, probably a very active ingredient in the therapy. So that's what ICBT is. I think uh, I've kind of outlined some of the ways that I feel like it's, it's different uh, and some of the ways that I think it, over, it overlaps. We should talk about the other therapies too, because ACT bills itself as uh, new and different as well, different from, uh, from traditional exposure therapy. And just like ICBT, there are some differences. ACT does not specifically address cognitive uh, distortions and act does not try to get people to change the way they think what act does act is more metacognitive it gets people to think differently and respond differently to the way to the thoughts that they're having rather than changing the thoughts themselves now again if if we're going to unpackage that unpack that that's cognitive therapy we're having people change their relationship to their thoughts and that's when you change your relationship to something, you're changing your beliefs about it. You're changing the way that you make meaning out of it. And that is very cognitive. Again, an ACT person would say, We're not changing people's thinking, but they really are. And again, that's okay. We can lean into that. That's not, it doesn't have to be a turf um, kind of thing. And then ACT also says, We want people to act based on their values. So now that you've changed your relationship to your you know, to your thoughts, to your private experiences. Here are some things that are really important to you, right? Like being on time for work, right? Or being with your family or stuff like that. Now let's work on moving towards those values in life. Well, what does that mean? If you are a new parent, you've been avoiding your infant because you have obsessional thoughts that you might harm them. And your value is to you know spend more time with your with your child which probably should be and now that you've made friends with your intrusive thoughts now that you have a healthy relationship with your intrusive thoughts let's go be around the baby right let's change the baby let's give the baby a bath let's you know play with the baby well that's exposure it's repackaged it's not like let's make a list of things that you're afraid of and let's confront them but it is still it's engaging with the feared stimuli just like you do in in exposure therapy, just like you do in, in ICBT, practically speaking, it's done differently, but it is still engagement and rest assured the person very much is learning from that. I can hang out with my baby. I can play with my baby regardless of intrusive thoughts come up and I can focus on the things that I need to, that I need to do in in my life. So that's kind of act again, cognitive and behavioral, right? Just like ICBT is cognitive and behavioral and exposure therapy. Also, you mentioned it is a behavioral therapy because we're getting up off the couch, right? And we're doing exposure. And if you have to go to a public bathroom and touch the floor, that's what you're doing. And after you have to go hold a knife and, you know, whatever, that it's behavioral. But the changes that are happening during exposure those are very much cognitive. We're changing beliefs. We're changing, yeah, beliefs about the feared situation. And that's what underlies fear extinction. So again, you've got three different therapies that look kind of different. They look very different on the outside, but the mechanisms of change, how they are working are probably more alike than the the strong proponents of those theory of those treatments would probably want to say. In speaking with lots of folks that use these treatments in everyday practice, uh, clinicians who really know their OCD, they will look beyond the kind of turf wars, and they will tell you that there is more alike than different in all of those therapies.
0: Yeah, so I love that you covered all of that. It's it's such a wealth of information. And the reality is so I'm somebody who uses all three. Yeah. Um, I've been using ICBT for about 10 months. I think it's interesting listening to you. So a couple of things, right? So one thing is, yeah, if you really can of just can step back and and I think as any clinician kind of let go of any of your own attachments, if you will, and continue to yes. be flexible and open up and realize, listen, end of the day, the goal is just to make people better. Yeah, right. And exactly how, right. right. And how you do it, like you said, it's just learning, you know, like ERP is all the, like we're talking about habituation or, uh, We're talking about um, inhibitory learning, right? Or we're talking about act like developing psychological flexibility or inference-based CBT while we're treating the inferential confusion, the the obsessive doubt process versus uncertainty. End of the day, yes, all of their goals is still to have people get back to engaging with their lives, right? right. And that means you're going to inevitably engage with the things that are difficult, so with that, I have kind of a question I want to ask you, because ICBT really says strongly, hey, we don't do exposure work. But as you were giving examples, I definitely you know, can think like, well, yeah, if you, the goal of ICBT, for example, is if you resolve the inferential confusion, then kind of it's being able to restore kind of trust and faith back in yourself and re-engage with life, yeah. period, right? Yeah. So when you're saying, though, well, that kind of is a form of exposure, yeah, can like you talk a little bit about that because it sounds like really even if we're talking about exposure, yeah. we're really also still talking about essentially just getting back into life and yeah. and reengaging with everything. Um whatever whatever that
1: thing is. The term exposure does not need to be like the the reference point. There's no doubt that act and ICBT don't do exposure defined by let's say the Edna Foa, Michael Kozak uh, even John Abramowitz' right way of defining exposure therapy, where let's let's make a list of the ten things you're afraid of, and let's go do them one after another, and all that. ACT and and ICBT have very different approaches to engaging the person, and so it is fair to say that there is technically that there is not exposure therapy in ACT or in ICBT. But again, like you were saying, let's get beyond those those labels. The reason that we do exposure therapy, in exposure therapy, is that people need to engage with their feared stimuli so that they can learn that those stimuli are not dangerous, that they can manage their uncertainty, doubt, anxiety, and so that they can get along in in their life and not have rituals hold them up and stuff like that. And so... There are different ways to help people to do that. That's what exposure therapy does. That's what acting on your values does in ACT. And that's what is done in some of the components of, of ICBT. You know, we can call it whatever whatever we want, but the truth is, is that a person with OCD, they're not going to overcome their problem if they're not able to engage with their feared stimuli and, and learn something from that, that, that they can do it. And that the situation is not as dangerous as they think, and that they don't need rituals in order to prevent some sort of catastrophe. There are just different ways of packaging that. And I think that's great. And I've worked more with ACT uh, than I have with, with ICBT. I'd like to learn more about ICBT, but with ACT, there are people that I've worked with who just do not respond when you know when you say, okay, let's make a list of exposures and let's do this. But then when you couch it in an ACT formulation we're still doing exposure. We just call it something different and we have the nice metaphors and we, we do things a little bit differently and, and they get it. And I completely believe that that's the same thing with ICBT. So if ICBT can come along and repackage this in a way that, that other folks find palatable, maybe people who don't like the exposure approach, I think that's terrific. I think it's great.
0: Well, I was going to say what's interesting with high with CBT would do it, because I'll be honest, in the very beginning, I was definitely like a lot of folks, a, a little confused and, and kind of like anybody when you first learn this. And then with time, you know, recognize like some people, because it is true, right? Who responds to what? And, and the reality is we, we also do know, like we have 30% of people who don't respond to just traditional, you know, CBT therapy. So like, wait a second, we, we got to kind of consider that's a big number. And so seeing how with like inference-based that that whole process teaching people to understand their obsessive reasoning process and some folks granted just like probably with act right like they kind of really take to it and everything is great but some people can still struggle and and then it's just interestingly enough finding that sometimes you do want people to come in contact with whatever that fear stimuli is but like to your point right now in icbt we're saying hey let's actually slow down and look at what is your OCD reasoning telling you right now about this stimuli? What is that really based on where are you drawing your inference and your conclusion from? Can we resolve it in this moment live? Let's, let's keep slowing down to, to work on that resolution. And when you can finally resolve that obsessive doubt and come back to, you know, yourself and reality, right. You can re-engage with whatever that, that's fear stimuli is because you would start to realize, okay, there's no longer a st- kind of this other story that my OCD generated about it. Yeah. yeah. Right. So what would you say about that process? Cause that, that would be then, I guess, in many ways, I guess you could say from the lens of if, if we're going to stick to this, like some element of exposure work, but also, like you said, we're getting at it differently. We're having you slow down and understand how are you reasoning your way in there? So
1: that's right. Yeah, it's a different way of of looking at it. I don't think there's one right or wrong way when we're, you know, when we're trying to be a field that helps folks with OCD. I think we got to find the best way for each individual person. I've worked with folks in ACT, and and we start to talk about values and experiential avoidance and some of these metaphors, and they're like. I don't get this. Just you know, I I just need to face my fears, right? And then there are other people who you start with with exposure to face their fears, and they're like, I can't do this. We need to talk about this first. Again, I haven't used ICBT enough to really understand what folks like and don't like about that, but I would imagine that they're you know just like any other treatment, ICBT is going to appeal to some folks and then not to not to others. And and why shouldn't it? And and again, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that we want to help folks and and it's a shame that we have all these turf i really think that the the turf wars are perpetuated by a small group about 10 15 years ago there was a very small group of folks that were pushing act and and just you know pushing back against exposure and and act is is different and you can't say that act is the same thing as exposure and, you know, now folks have kind of come around and they've realized that it's not right to kind of play that way. It's, that's kind of unproductive. I think the number of people that are pushing ICBT as something that is completely different, they, those folks might be more vocal, but I think that that's a minority of folks that are actually practicing the, the therapy. I think most folks kind of see that it can be woven nicely into other approaches, just like ACT and, and ERP.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I I think it's great to hear all this and just to kind of normalize things for folks and, and realize that, like, like you said in the very beginning, end of the day, it's about helping a person get better. And so really your ethical responsibility as a therapist is, you know, if you're going to learn these different modalities, then just, you know, assess the client and and read the client. What do they seem to respond to and, or give them you know, kind of information, and have them make an informed decision of of what seems to resonate for them, and make them better. Right end of the day, that's really it. That that's our ultimate goal, yeah. um, is to it's have people about, get back to their life.
1: That's yeah. It's not about one treatment winning or being used more often than than the other. What I've heard in in some cases is that uh, people want to say, well if you tell people that ICBT involves exposure, you're scaring them off from, from ICBT. Mm-hmm. And so we need to you know, make sure that it's clear that ICBT doesn't involve exposure. And I actually think that's the absolute wrong way to go, because I think rather than uh, promising people that they can get over their OCD without exposure, I think we ought to be helping people to feel like they can do exposure, or however you want to call it. They can engage with their fear stimuli. They don't have to live in fear of this terrible of this terrible exposure. We empower them when we say, yeah, it involves exposure. We're going to repackage it. You're not even going to realize you're doing exposure, but you're going to learn that you can face your your fears, and you can act again. If we use a, a an act way, you can act according to your values despite the intrusive thoughts and doubts. You know, you can move right, forward. or you
0: can resolve your 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 obsessive doubts and get back into living your life and do do the things you want to do without yeah. having to constantly carry that kind of it, OCD noise in your head.
1: I, I think we do a disservice to folks when we try to steer them away from engaging with their fears because, let's face it, in life you can't not engage with your fears. If you are if you have OCD or are working on getting over OCD and you go out into the world, you know, uh, you're going to be exposed to your fears one way or the other. And you probably want to have some experience doing that. Otherwise, you know, at some point you're going to run into trouble.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, of course, right. You, if you live with OCD and you live a, a life, you're going to have triggers, period. Uh, triggers cool. come up all the time. That's just the nature of life. So yeah. when, however yeah. you then deal with it.
1: Yeah. Um, you, can't right. hide, you can't hide from them. So it's, no. I don't, I don't think it's a good idea to, to say that we're, you know, let's do ICBT. We're protecting people from exposure. You don't have to do exposure. I don't think that's technically it's true. We're not doing ERP kind of exposure. Sure. So it might be a repackaged, you know, a uh, different way of doing exposure, but you're still helping the person to confront their. to, to Well, and, and I
0: think the main thing is we're talking to that. I think Is more what does recovery really mean, right? And recovery, no matter what. And I've been really kind of saying this more often, but it's that recovery, just because you've learned whatever the tools you've learned, even if even part of that is you're doing medical intervention, like, you know, taking SSRIs or whatnot, it still does not mean that you're going to be living a life void of triggers. I I think that's a really important message for people to hear, right? Whether it's ICBT, ERP, ACT, whatever, you have all these tools, which, empower you to be able to resolve things more quickly and shorten the lifespan of the OCD cycle, but it does not guarantee that you will have absolutely zero triggers
1: or zero time, anxiety.
0: Or zero anxiety for yeah. the rest of your life.
1: And and I don't mean just folks with OCD. I, I would say in general, we we anxiety has a public relations problem in our society these days. We're teaching folks to do anything they can to push anxiety away, to push um, distress away. And that can sometimes work, but in the long run, you want to be better at having anxiety. You want to be better at managing distress. You want to feel more confident in yourself that you can manage those things when they come up, because it's not if, it's when. And unfortunately, I think a lot of the problems that we're having now with mental health issues in you know, in college age kids and um, young adults has to do with the fact that um, many of them have been protected from experiencing that just by the way that folks are raised these days. And they, they don't learn that they can manage it. They don't learn how to get good at distress. And then, you know, that becomes a problem the older you get.
0: Oh, a hundred percent. yeah. and i and I think it's true that, you know, like I mean, just to be very you know vulnerable and, and honest, like I had an anxiety yesterday, it, God knows why it just just started, but you know, recognize the physical symptoms there it is. But like, for example, in that moment, the IC- CBT lens was more like, okay, let me not create any story about this, right? It's just it's there, there it is. Let it be. But we can also argue and say, well, that's some acceptance commitment therapy, right? of willingness to, Feel the feeling, right? And engage in stay. your life. That's right. right, that could be exposure because I'm exposing myself to having that uncomfortable feeling and not ruminating on it. That's a, so great, that's a great. I just point. wanted to share that because you know that has been on my mind in terms of, yeah, you know, considering you know practicing all three and kind of noticing, like, huh, I could kind of see it from those different lenses.
1: Yeah, um, and then cognitive therapy, which we really haven't talked about, and cognitive therapy has kind of fallen out of favor. There was a time when cognitive therapists also and you can go into the literature don't take my word for it late 80s early 90s folks who were doing cognitive therapy for OCD were saying we're you know you don't have to do exposure if you do cognitive therapy we're going to do these behavioral experiments we're going to challenge your beliefs and then we're going to do behavioral experiments to test out your new beliefs behavioral experiments are you know, forms of exposure. They're right. engaged with your, you know, feared stimuli and things like that. So yeah, you you could look at it from that perspective too. What are the think What's the thinking process of leading to my anxiety? But it's not just you. Everybody has anxiety. Everyone has distress. Whether it's anxiety, depression, anger, guilt, you know, whatever. These are normal human emotions. As humans, we want to be better. We are empowered when we feel like we're better at managing them. We are not as fragile as sometimes society tries to tell us that we are.
0: Yeah. And it's kind of like Dr. Wilson says, right? Like, remember OCD, the disorder, treat the disorder, recognize the disorder, right? Which is it's doubts, it's intrusions, it's distress, and then you feel compulsive urges and and that, that how it works, it can latch onto anything ever. So it's not like any new theme is somehow different and, ooh, you know, but it's, it's stepping back and saying, no, no, it's still all the same process. And so then generally, just like as we're talking, being able to kind of, again, let go a little bit of this overattachment and just recognizing, okay, what in this moment, especially once you learn the tools, what in this moment is going to help me? Yeah. To release from that, right. Let go from that so that I don't, I don't give into that urge and I can move on with life. John, thank you so much for coming on and having this really, you know, fruitful and very interesting conversation. So if anybody's listening today and they would love to find you, how can they find you?
1: Yeah, sure. So I work at the University of North Carolina. You can even Google me. Um, You can look me up at uh, probably if you type in like, you know, UNC Abramowitz, something like that. You opened up talking about, you know, evidence-based practice and, and the research. And I think it is worth saying a little bit just about the state of the research right now. Yeah, that
0: let's, please, we, that would be great.
1: Okay, because again, I think sometimes people have different um, thoughts about like, what constitutes evidence-based practice? What constitutes um, evidence? And, and I think it's important to for folks to understand um, that although we have evidence that the, the three treatments we're talking about today work, they're are very different bases of of evidence. So you know quickly because I know people probably want to move on with their lives uh, if they're if they're watching or listening. But exposure therapy is something that really was developed in the 1920s um, by a guy named um, John B. Watson. You know the psychoanalysts were kind of in charge, and we didn't see a lot of behavioral uh, therapies until the 1950s and 60s. Since about 1966, for OCD. You know, so we're talking over 50 years of uh, research on, uh, close to 60 years of research on exposure therapy for for OCD. It's been studied, and, and there's not like one person who says, I invented exposure therapy, I did the research, see it, it works. What happened is that exposure therapy is based on behavioral principles that we've known, like I said, for 100 years. And so behavioral psychologists who are interested in helping folks with OCD Looked to the literature, and they said, "Hey, let's let's study this. Let's see if if this can help folks with OCD." And lo and behold, it it did. It certainly didn't, and it doesn't do so perfectly. There's no doubt about that. But over the course of the last fifty years, I mean, there have been hundreds, if not a thousand, studies on exposure therapy uh, and response prevention for OCD, for other you know OCD related problems, and. Um, these studies have been conducted by many, many, many different researchers in many, many, many different parts of the world, all over the world, really, except Antarctica. Uh, we have seen research on on OCD, and the results are. Uh, I'm sorry, on ERP, and the results are amazingly consistent. That not everybody gets better, the majority do, and the majority maintain their gains for you know the the long term, and so that's really the first line, that's the standard that another treatment kind of, you want to see if we're going to trust another treatment as much as we trust exposure and response prevention, the the bar is pretty high. And and it should be, that's how science moves along. Strong claims require strong evidence. So ACT came along, um, actually I should say, cognitive therapy kind of came along late 80s, early 90s, some studies were were done actually and the results were kind of not all of all that all that great particularly when they did some studies where cognitive therapy was examined without exposure and the results just were not all that great i it was the beginning of my career and i i wrote with some others about how you know cognitive therapy when you don't involve exposure therapy cognitive therapy doesn't really doesn't really look so good and over time folks started to recognize all right you know what Cognitive therapy without exposure for OCD is just not really working out, um, and the literature on that kind of died out over the course of the '90s and into the early 2000s. So then ACT comes along in the in the 2000s, the '90s and 2000s. I think at, at at first kind of realized, okay, we need to do uh, research on on this. We have some interesting ideas how it can be applied to OCD, and first you started to see some some case studies, and then some. You know, some smaller studies over over the course of the last decade or so, there have been there's been an explosion of ACT research, ACT studies in OCD and other disorders. Now, not just done by one group, but they're being done around the world by different groups that learn from each other. And again, the results are, are fairly consistent. I haven't seen the latest um, literature on on ACT. I think someone is working on a meta analysis right now, which would be which would be important. Suffice it to say that in ACT, you're seeing more and more studies, and I think people are starting to recognize, particularly when you uh, include exposure in in ACT, that can be a really helpful, you know, uh, treatment as well. ICBT is in the nascent stages; they're in the very beginning of of doing research, and and up till now, most of the studies, if not all of them, most of the studies that have been done have been done by one particular group, the the Fred Ardema. Uh, group at least his name is on like virtually every study about ICBT. His name is is on that, and that's a good start. But what we really want to see would be independent labs that can replicate those kinds of findings. Um, you want to see it with different cultures. You want to see it from you know from different labs, different uh, presentations of of OCD. And so I, I look to the future and hope that that's something that, that we'll see. I've reached out actually to Dr. Ardema. Uh, I would love to, to learn more and do some research. That's how I learned about ACT, doing research with some of the folks that are ACT therapists. I would love to learn more about it. And, and it's fun doing research with, with folks and meeting new people. So I would love to do that. I know there are other people that would like to study it also. Um, But we need more independent replications to show that it's not just one group that's really, you know, they invented the therapy. They're very, they have a strong allegiance to it. So it's not surprising that they're going to get good results. Let's see if we can replicate that in in other uh, groups as well. There are lots of people who who report, I did ICBT in my practice and it worked, or I had it done with me and, and it worked for me. And that's wonderful. And that's not the same thing as randomized, controlled, dispassionate scientific research, which is what we want to see. So that's my uh, it ended up being a long-winded explanation of
0: No, of the, no, but this, this is actually great. And, and I'm, I'm thank you for actually slowing slowing this down and, and making sure to cover that. I, I think that is an important element for anything that we do. And like you said, right, one of these approaches has been around so much longer. So like everything else, right, we got to give things time and and like you said, right, do do the rest of the due diligence, of course, and
1: then come back, right? That's and, and I only bring this up. That doesn't mean that because ERP has been studied the longest, that it's the best, right? It could be that over time, ACT, uh, ICBT, end up having outcomes that blow ERP out of the water. That'd be great because ERP doesn't work for everybody. If we could find a treatment that works for everyone, I think we'd have a lot of people converting and, and doing that that kind of a, a therapy and giving up whatever they've been doing before what the reason i say that is that i think that there in i've heard in some circles that there are some misnomers going around that there are two or three studies on icbt therefore icbt it has the same empirical support as act as erp and that's scientifically that's just not the case it just it doesn't it doesn't work like that
0: got it okay well, thank you so much for your time, John. You and I will definitely include the link in the show notes of how people can find you. And I really appreciate this conversation. Um, like I said, I think it's important to have all conversations um, just because it is out there and people do want to know, and they are curious.
1: I'm with you hundred percent. Thank you so much. All right, Christina, take care.
0: Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us on the OCD whisper podcast. Remember, Your path to freedom from OCD, it's a journey. Visit www.onlineocdacademy.com for self-help masterclasses that fit your journey, your pace, and your budget. We understand that not everybody can afford a specialist, and that's why we're here to provide accessible resources. Subscribe, rate, and share. And together, we can overcome the challenges of OCD. Stay strong, and we'll catch you on the next episode.